Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. Uh, we want to invite you to stand. If you're watching online, just a reminder that there are hosts available to pray with you or answer any questions. So let's begin to worship. This morning, our scripture comes from Psalm 63, verses 3 through 4. Because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. Our God, he holds the victory. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, oh. 
This song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs, a thousand more. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So when worries start to overwhelm you, imagine lifting up your eyes and seeing Jesus standing over you. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is hard, too hard for him to handle. Let us continue to worship together. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From the throne of endless glory To a cradle in the Blood and in his name, in his dream. 
King of Kings. Will you pray with us? Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. As we add in and start going into Maine tomorrow, it's, it just seems like this year is flying by, but let it not fly by without us recognizing that you give us life every day and that we should be grateful and praising you and spending time with you because you want that from us. You want to get to know us, Lord. And I pray that as we're listening to the message today, that we will listen to the Holy Spirit speak to us and that we just rest in your presence, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Springbrook Community Church. We are so glad that you are with us today. Uh, my name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor. And if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to extend a special welcome to you. You're here on an exciting Sunday. We have a baptism service today, and we love celebrating baptisms at Springbrook. In fact, this past week, two people committed their life to Christ, and we're celebrating a baptism service. And so, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, uh, people ask me, you know, what's one of the things that you enjoy about ministry from a pastoral perspective? And I love watching life change. It's, it's such a blessing to be able to watch the Spirit of God working in the life of a person uh, as they not only commit their life to Christ, but grow in their faith. You know, so whether you are new in your faith or whether you've been a believer for you know, 25, 50 years, it's so exciting to watch the way God works in a person's life. And so it's a great thing that we can celebrate um, a baptism today. I just want to encourage you that if you have any questions about baptism, uh, if you're interested in that, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. A person comes to understand their need for a relationship with Christ. They make a faith commitment. It's a covenant relationship uh, that you enter into uh, with God. And then baptism is an outward symbol of that commitment that you've entered into. So baptism doesn't get you into heaven. Uh, it's, a, it's a symbol of a commitment of a covenant relationship that you've entered into uh, with Jesus Christ. And so it's a great thing to celebrate today. We get to celebrate Terry Pistorio's baptism. So Terry, if you'd like to come out now and uh, tell us a little bit about um, how God's been working in your life. I know that um, you moved up into the area three years ago through, yes, during COVID, and uh, you've been watching online, and so this is your first Sunday, <laughs> and so why don't you just share with us a little bit about what your journey has looked like. I grew up in a... Yeah, that's fine. Just put it right next to your chin. I grew up... There, keep it there. Don't turn it down. In a religious <laughs> family, and... Growing up in a religious family was very, very important to me. When I truly learned what Jesus Christ, our Father God, the Holy Spirit, really is, I decided to come here today to show my faith in baptism to the Lord because he is my Lord and Savior, and I want to go to heaven for eternal life. <laughs> Baptism will not only let me get there, my faith, my faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is what will get me there. Baptizing today is such a wonderful meaning to me, mm. and I'm so honored, Pastor Rich, that you are doing this. Yeah. I can't tell yeah. you enough. You have been such a blessing. I know that you uh, you moved uh, into a new community during COVID and uh, were stuck at home 
and then I know you've been through some significant health issues. You've had some, if you've had an accident, uh, you've been in rehab, and I know you've been watching online with us for quite some time. I know you've had an opportunity to, to engage with our online host. It was fun for me to be able to talk with you online. And so, um, you know, for you to be able to come out at this point, I know that this is a meaningful day for you, and it's a privilege for us to be able to celebrate that with you. Um, that Christ is your Savior, and the opportunity to publicly confess that uh, and to identify with Christ in this way is something we are really excited about celebrating uh, with you. What would you say to somebody that's got questions about baptism or might be thinking, well, maybe I should do that? Please do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) We'll help you get up here. All right. Yeah, you take those off. Perfect. All right. Let me go ahead and sit down. Nice and warm, isn't it? (laughs) Terry, do you believe that uh, Jesus Christ is God? Yes. Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that he was resurrected and when he returns that he's going to come gather you to be with him? Yes. Outstanding. Well, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice work. All right. One more. Right, one more. Outstanding. <laughs> I asked Terry, I said, would you like to get baptized in a pool or in a home? And she said, I am coming to that church. I want to get baptized in that baptism. <laughs> so what a great thing to celebrate, isn't it? Hey, um, uh, if you're new to Springbrook, I would love the opportunity to connect with you. You have a connection card uh, on your seat there. Uh, you can put your first and last name on there. If you've got any questions about our ministry, there's a place for you to share that uh, on the back. And then also on this next slide, we had our Awana Versathon um, recently, and they raised $2,600 um, to support ministries through Awana that are now able to get the Awana curriculum uh, into schools uh, throughout Africa. And so uh, some of the schools in Africa, uh, they'd seen a marked improvement in the performance of the students, the attendance, and so the government made the decision that we want to see Awana in all of our schools. And so Awana now is uh, in, a, in a place where they're able to move materials into these public school systems throughout Africa. And so Awana, through their Versathon, raised enough money to send curriculum into four schools. And so we want to thank everybody that participated in that. Thank you for Elaine Zahar and for all our Awana leaders and for their investment in our kids uh, through Awana. And then I also want to let you know I got an update from our partners at uh, the Timothy Initiative. Um, this year, just in the first quarter, uh, throughout India, Nepal, Africa, Asia, and now we're down into the Caribbean, um, we have seen 10,500 churches start. Um, we have seen 91,000 people make first-time commitments to Jesus Christ. Um, we are serving uh, 4,500 widows and uh, 4,600 orphans. And so through our partnership uh, with the Timothy Initiative, um, we've been able to have a significant impact on the work of God uh, from a global perspective. And so I just want to take a moment to thank all of you uh, that support our ministry financially, that enable us to make disciples in our community, uh, in our nation, and across the globe. And so thank you for your support of our ministry. If you're interested in uh, giving to the work of ministry, you can text uh, Springbrook to 77977. You can scan that QR code. But I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. That's enabling us 
uh, to live out our vision and our mission. If you have any questions, uh, please let us know. Pastor Tim's going to be out uh, in just a moment, but I want to thank you for being with us today. Good morning. It is such a joy to see how God is at work in people's lives, and what a great day to celebrate uh, Terry's baptism and to be witnesses again, to be reminded of the difference that the resurrected Jesus still today is making in lives, not only here in our community, but all around the world. You know, there are a lot of things that we experience and go through in life, and often when we're describing them to different people, we tend to describe our journey, our experience, our, uh, our, our wandering through our time on this earth in terms of befores and afters. Have you noticed that? Uh, we, we talk about something that happened before, and then we talk about how things are different after. Now, certainly for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, many of us may think in terms of our lives in in that sort of way. Here's what my life was like before I knew Jesus. And here's how my life is now different after coming to know Him. But there's also all sorts of other arenas of life where we talk about that, don't we? For, For many of us, we think in terms of before kids and after kids. And some of us are in the midst of that season right now where it's like, I know that there was a life before I had children, I just don't remember it. Or we have before retirement and after retirement. Or sometimes we have before that medical diagnosis and after that medical diagnosis. Uh, Whatever it is, whatever situation, whatever circumstance it may be that we are referring to, there is a sense in which there was a moment, that there was an event, that there was something that took place that was so momentous that as a result of it, things simply could not remain the same. As we think of the events of that first Easter, that Jesus, having gone to the cross, died that brutal death, being buried. The disciples who had been following him for some three and a half years must have felt a sense of fear and of hopelessness. What now? Everything that we've given our life to for these past three and a half years Seems like it has come to nothing. But then, then the resurrection and how everything changed before and after. And how, for those disciples so many years ago, it went from being followers of Jesus to being sent out by Jesus 
on a new mission, a mission to continue the work that he was doing in the world. As we're here this morning, as we are still, in a sense, uh, um, fresh coming out of this Easter season, we've been traveling together in this series that we're calling Sent. As we're examining how Jesus appeared to his followers and the, the difference that that makes. And just like for those disciples all those years ago, so for us today, it's appropriate that we, that we reflect on the resurrection of Jesus and we ask the question for our lives, what now? There was before, but what now? What's the after? What's the, what's the response? What's the result of this momentous thing in our lives? And of course, as we often talk about, the immediate and most urgent response is that of faith and salvation. That we must accept who this Jesus is and trust Him as Lord and Savior. But having done that, now what? What comes after. And as we turn to God's Word once again this morning, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and join me in the New Testament book of John. John chapter 20, in a moment we'll begin in verse 19, where we consider what is our mission? How do we now live as servants of the risen Jesus? How do we live as servants of the risen Jesus? John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, we find ourselves, as we have been in these last few weeks, once again, encountering an episode in which Jesus appears, now having risen from the dead, to his disciples. And we begin reading, and it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And as we find ourselves here, again, seeing that very first Easter day, that very first resurrection day, we find that verse 19 tells us that this is taking place on the evening on which Jesus had risen. And John wants to be sure that we understand, as he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we comprehend that Jesus has truly risen from the dead. In fact, 
it's appropriate that we take just a moment to consider that claim, that statement which we have been declaring not only over the last few weeks, but week after week here because it is the center of the Christian faith. It is the center of the gospel that we proclaim that Christ is not dead. He is alive. Jesus has truly risen from the dead. And actually, this is historical fact. Exhibit A, I present to you, we'll just consider these very briefly. We have the empty tomb. There is no body in the tomb where he was laid. People saw where he was laid. Uh, According to Matthew's gospel, we know that, that the leaders of the Jewish religious establishment, they made sure that a guard of Roman soldiers was posted to, to guard there. But now the tomb is empty. Jesus has risen from the dead. And, and, and when the gospel began to, to expand and to multiply and to go into all of the various uh, corners of the world, if his body was still there, those religious leaders, those ones who denied Jesus, the Roman authorities, they could just very easily have produced the body. But there's no body to produce because Christ is not in the grave. He is risen from the dead. Exhibit B, the multitude of eyewitness accounts. Pastor Rich has been talking about this over the last few weeks. I stole his slide here. Hey, why recreate the wheel, right? And so um, he talks about the post-resurrection commissioning appearances. And, and uh, he's talked a little bit about how, uh, how uh, uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Uh, we see that in John's gospel, the previous passage to the one we're in this morning. We see that he appears to the other Mary, to Salome, to Joanna, and at least uh, one other woman. Uh, we see that he appears to Simon Peter, uh, uh, according to both Luke's gospel and and uh, 1 Corinthians, to Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus, where Pastor Rich was talking about last week. Um, Today we're going to look at this one. He appears to the 11 disciples, minus Thomas. Next week we're going to look at when he appears again to the disciples, including Thomas. He appears to seven disciples, so so repeatedly to some of them. Uh, And then as we move through this chart, there's actually something that Pastor Rich missed from this. But don't tell him. okay? Um, And that is that he's referencing 1 Corinthians 15, 7 here. But it also says, and he appeared to over 500 others. There were eyewitness testimonies to the reality that Christ died and has risen from the dead. But we also have exhibit C. You see, Jesus is truly risen from the dead. And, and the logic, there's a logical necessity that we understand that because of the apostles' witness. Because first of all, we see what their lives were like before Christ rose from the dead. And then we see this transformation that comes as a result of his rising from the dead, as a result of the reception of the Holy Spirit. But more than that, we see these men and and, and these, these faithful disciples, men and women alike, and they are going and they are spreading the news of the gospel and they are being beaten and persecuted, imprisoned and put to death. And not one of them says, you're right, it was all a hoax. They say, no, we will go 
even to death for this message because we know that Christ is Savior and Lord and He has risen from the dead. He turned the world upside down. And then for those of you who are interested, we can look even at the uh, the secular historical record as a number of secular historians uh, during this period of early history uh, of 1st and 2nd century, those like Tacitus and Josephus and, uh, and Suetonius as well as others, they make reference to many of the events uh, surrounding the, the Easter account and the impact of it. But right here in our passage here in John chapter 20, we are reminded that Jesus has truly risen from the dead. So what we, what we see here is not just some nice story that is being told but is actually a historical fact. And and notice here, uh, we have that this is the first day, uh, that this is the resurrection day, this is the day in which Jesus was raised, it's the evening, and they were hiding out. The disciples were gathered somewhere, we're not told exactly where, but they were hiding out. The doors were locked because of fear of the Jews. They had seen Jesus arrested and killed. And now they're in panic mode. What if they come for us next? We can understand this, right? But imagine the scene. There they are. They're gathered together and they're, what are we going to do? Where do we go from here? The doors are locked. They're fearful. And all of a sudden we're told that, that Jesus came and stood among them. I mean, you can imagine that, right? They're all sat around. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it's like, oh! Where did you come from? How did you get in here? We're told a couple of interesting things here. This is helpful to us because it helps us to understand something. First of all, the risen Jesus, notice this, he is not limited by locked doors. He is capable in a way that we don't entirely understand in his resurrected body of showing up in that room. Now, won't go into this too much, but if I read the scriptures correctly, it appears that that, that when that day comes and we we enjoy that resurrected body, that we're going to be able to move from place to place. I don't know. It's kind of like a Star Trek teleportation thing. And I wish we could do that right now because I spend a lot of time on airplanes and would sure be nice to skip that part of the journey. But for Jesus here, in his resurrected body, his glorified body, he's not limited by locked doors. And yet, I want you to notice that his is a, an actual physical, bodily resurrection. This is essential. In fact, as he appears to them here, it says, Jesus came, he stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. Don't you love that, by the way? He does not come in and scold them. What are you guys doing, oh, you of little faith? Why did you scatter? Why didn't you believe? Peter, I told you so. He didn't do that. Peace be with you. Peace. May fear be replaced with peace. May wholeness of soul be yours. 
peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Because his was a physical, bodily resurrection. Look, it's me. And I still bear the marks of the cross. In fact, we know that it is a physical, bodily resurrection. In, in Luke's account, in Luke ch- uh, chapter 24, he speaks of the fact that actually Jesus then after he appears to them, he says, hey, let's eat. Get some fish and some bread. And he eats with them physically, bodily, eating. Next week, as we're going to see, when, oh, when Thomas is there, Thomas is going to reach out and physically touch him. We need to understand this because there are false teachers, and these have been present all throughout the history of the church, who've said, well, the resurrection was kind of it was a nice idea. It's a spiritualized concept. It wasn't a bodily, yes, it was. Yes, it is. Christ is risen from the dead, and his resurrection assures the certainty of our resurrection that is to come. This matters. It matters. He's risen from the dead, and I also want you to notice in his resurrected body, he still bears the marks of the cross. We even see this in the book of Revelation. For all eternity, in the glory of heaven, Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, still bears the marks of the cross, of the nails that he took for you and for me. And while in heaven there will be no more sickness and no more death, no more sorrow and no more pain, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. The wounds that will be on display for all eternity are those of the cross in the body of Jesus Christ. Because every time we look upon him, we will again be led to praise and worship for all that he has done and how he has borne our sin in his body on the cross. And when the disciples see this, their fear turns to joy and to gladness. Praise God for that. Their fear turns to joy and to gladness because Jesus has conquered death. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment because this deals with the issue of the reality of the resurrection because the reality of the resurrection means that salvation and the forgiveness of sins is available. Christ has borne our sins and the payment that he made for our sins was acceptable before God the Father. And that is demonstrated that it was accepted that the payment was sufficient by the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. And so it is because of the resurrection that we have hope and forgiveness and salvation. And it is because of the resurrection we can have joy and gladness for each day now. That no matter what we face, we have hope and confidence in the Lord. And it is because of the resurrection that we have joy and gladness and certain hope even in the face of death. For there is nothing left to fear when we know the one who has conquered death and holds the keys of death and hell in his hand. 
their fear was turned to gladness. Their fear was turned to joy because the resurrection of Christ has brought about a whole new beginning. This is how things were before, but now after the resurrection, we have hope and joy. But more than that, what we see is that the risen Jesus not only appears to them, but he sends us to continue his mission of proclaiming the gospel. Look at this, verses 21 through 23, we continue to see this. Uh, We see, first of all, that uh, he again says to them, peace be with you. But then he makes this declaration, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And so here we have this, this idea of sending, of commissioning, of, of, of things being different. How then are you to live in light of the resurrection? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, he says, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We have a commission. We have a mission, and it is to continue his work. Now, this idea of being sent is actually a major theme in John's gospel. We see this in many different places throughout the, the, the gospel account. This is supposed to be John 1.14, not John 1 exclamation. Um, but uh, there we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see elsewhere in John, in John chapter 5, that Jesus says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all, whom, uh, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. And so we have this theme of the fact that the Father sends the Son. Also in John's Gospel, we're told that that when the Son returns to the Father, then the Father and the Son together send the Spirit. But again, in John 17, 8, this time a part of Jesus' high priestly prayer, as he's praying for the disciples and for you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And one more, a very familiar passage. In fact, probably the most familiar verse in all of the Bible. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We don't often continue reading from there, but he goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so we see this theme of sending here in the Gospel of John. And here as he appears, the resurrected Jesus, before the disciples, he says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. 
And so that should lead us to think, well, okay, so, so the Father sent the Son, uh, but what does that look like? What does that mean for us? What difference does that make? Throughout John's gospel, this sending is connected to two different elements. It is connected, first of all, to the fact that Jesus came in perfect obedience. As the Father sent the Son, so the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came in perfect obedience to the Father. And so again, in John six thirty-eight, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but rather to do the will of Him who sent me. And so He comes in obedience. More than that, He comes to be our sin-bearer. John 1, 29, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so, as Jesus is commissioning his disciples here, as he's speaking to all who are his by faith, as he's saying, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you, we need to understand what that commission includes and according to John's gospel, and when we look at the sending of the Son, what that means is that Jesus was saying to his disciples back then and to his disciples today, I am sending you for obedience. I'm sending you for obedience. To lay aside your own agenda, your own priorities, your own goals and aspirations, and to go in obedience to my will. And friends, let me remind you, God's ways are good. God's commandments, His ways, walking in the path that He leads in, it, it is the way that we would always choose for ourselves if we could just see all of the pieces. Often we think, oh, well, yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure. That sounds uncomfortable. That sounds too difficult. That sounds too costly. But biblical obedience, biblical obedience is something that is to be done fully, not partially. It's to be done fully, Willingly and immediately. Fully, willingly, and immediately. And that is what we see Christ doing in obedience to the Father. And so if a part of our commission by the resurrected Christ is that I am sending you out just as I was sent, we need to understand that, that because we live in the after. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are transformed through His death and His resurrection to life. That we belong to Him and we are servants of the risen Savior. What does it look like for you to walk in obedience, to go out in obedience fully, willingly, and immediately. Where is God calling you to step out in obedience to Him? Don't delay. Don't make excuses. 
go to him and say, God, this feels too big for me. This feels too scary for me. This feels too much for me. But I know that you are bigger than my fears. And so I'm going to step out because you have said so. I'm going to sign up and be baptized even though I'm petrified of being in front of people on a Sunday morning because I want to do it in obedience to you. I'm going to go and share the gospel with that person who you have been laying on my heart but I have been so fearful to go to be with. I'm going to step out from this job that I'm in right now because I know that you have been calling me to follow you in courageous faith into something that, that, that I am afraid of and yet excited in at the same time and I have been delaying. Where is it that as Christ, the risen one, sends us that we need to step out in obedience and say, I'm not going to make excuses anymore today. Today is going to be that pivotal moment. Yesterday was the before and tomorrow is the after, but today is the changing moment. But just as Christ went not only obediently, he, went to be, he, he, he was sent from the Father to be our sin bearer. So there's a sense in which we have a similar commission, not for us to bear the sins of people, but to declare to others and to point them to the one who has borne their sin. And we see this right here in this passage. Notice he says, as the Father has sent me, verse 21, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Well, uh, that's a little bit of a challenging passage there, and there's been some debate amongst scholars because uh, they're asking, well, so did the disciples actually receive the Holy Spirit here, or was that in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost? And I don't really want to get into the debate over that right now, but the best biblical evidence seems to be that, that there's a sense here in which Jesus is reminding them symbolically of the promise of the Spirit that is soon to be received, that this is part of the commission. What he's telling them is, hey, uh, not only am I sending you out, but I'm going to empower you for the work. Because thanks be to God, he never calls us to do anything that he doesn't equip us for. Do you believe that? It's like, yeah, but I, I don't see the equipping. If he, would just, if he would just show up and kind of give me the survival pack, everything that I need in advance, that would be really great. Love that if you'd do that, Lord. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. God doesn't do that. God says go, and it's not until we step out that we find that everything that he has promised that we will need, he will provide. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. But as we take that step, I promise you that just as he has declared all throughout Scripture, God is faithful. And here we see Jesus reminding his disciples, I'm sending you out, but I'm not doing it in your own strength. I'm sending you out empowered, equipped, and accompanied by the Holy Spirit. And what is the mission that you are on? It is to... Forgive the sins of any and withhold forgiveness. Well, that seems troubling, doesn't it? Uh, we read that at first in the English and we're like, uh, so you're saying that, that, that I'm the one who decides who gets forgiven and who doesn't? No, that's not what this text is talking about. In fact, I love the way that um, uh, Merrill Tenney addresses this. He says, literally, here's what this verse means. It says, those whose sins you forgive have been forgiven. 
Those whose sins you do not forgive have not been forgiven. God does not forgive men's sins because we decide to do so, nor to withhold forgiveness because we will not grant it. No, look at this. We announce it. We do not create it. This is the essence of salvation. And all who proclaim the gospel are in effect forgiving or not forgiving sins, depending on whether the hearer accepts or rejects the Lord Jesus as the sin bearer. What exactly does that mean? That as we go pointing people to Jesus, the one who has borne our sin, the one in whom there is forgiveness and salvation and life, those who believe are forgiven and saved. Those who reject remain in their sins. It's what that's teaching. It's what that's explaining. In fact, a moment ago we looked briefly at John three sixteen through 18. That's exactly what this says. Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now look at this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so as we go on mission, sent by the Master, we go in obedience to him. We go proclaiming a message. And it is a message of forgiveness of sins and of life and of salvation. It is the greatest news. But we also have a responsibility not only to, to proclaim that. We also have the great privilege and the sober duty that when someone says, I believe, I repent of my sins and trust Jesus as my Savior, we get to come alongside them to gently set our hand on their shoulder and say, brother, sister, because you have believed in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. They are washed away. Though they were once red as scarlet, they have been washed as white as snow. He has removed from you your sins as far as the east is from the west, and you bear them no more. Sometimes, sometimes we meet people and they'll say, yeah, yeah, that Jesus thing's fine. It's just not for me. Or sometimes it'll be, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but, but I don't need that whole forgiveness thing. It's like, then you don't really believe in him. You, you don't know, you don't understand. And we don't do it, we're not the ones who condemn, but there is a time and there is a place and I think sometimes we've lost a sense of boldness in our proclamation of the gospel in today's church. We often are preaching a message which is, oh, Jesus can make your life more comfortable. Hey, Jesus wants you just to experience your best life now. No, it's not the gospel. We want to be careful and we want to encourage. and We want to point people to Jesus. But if somebody says, that's, that's not for me, and we need to let them know, I pray, I pray for you that you will come to understand your need of a Savior. Because right now, before a holy God, you are his enemy. And there is coming a day when you will stand before him. And unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be eternally 
separated from him. And that's what he's saying here. As Jesus meets with his disciples, he commissions them, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Friends, if you are servants of the risen Christ, we are sent on mission. We are sent by the risen Jesus to tell others of his forgiveness and his salvation. And we need to do that in obedience. We do that in joyful surrender to him. We do that witnessing to how he has transformed our lives. How is it Jesus sends us? We've talked about this. He sends us for obedience to him. May we be those who as we step out of these doors before a watching world are not those who simply profess one thing with our lips and then live an entirely different way. But who say, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. And I will go and I will do whatever you send me to do, God. Because my life is no longer mine. I have been bought with a price. What does that look like in your life? We go prepared and accompanied and empowered by the Holy Spirit. If today you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You might say, I, I don't feel like I'm adequate enough. I don't feel like I have the words to say. I don't feel like I know enough. I don't, I don't feel courageous enough. God calls us to step out in obedience, and the Spirit of God who dwells in you will lead you and strengthen you and encourage you and empower you and minister through you. And we go proclaiming this message of forgiveness and of salvation. Now, I'd be remiss if I don't just take a moment to acknowledge that for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is our commission. This is what we're sent for. But even today, here this morning in this room and watching online, it may be that you have never come to that place where, where you can honestly say, my sins have been forgiven. I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and I know that I know that I am forgiven. Friends, if that's you today and You've never trusted Jesus as your sin bearer, the one who took your place, who paid your debt before a holy God. If you've never said, God, forgive me for my sins. I believe in Jesus. And as best as I know how, I surrender my life to him. Would you make today that day so that tomorrow you can be living in the after, in the new life? And you can look back and say, my life was like this before I knew Christ. But on this day, on Sunday, April 30th, that was the day that I came to know that my sins were forgiven because of Jesus. Would you trust Jesus as your Savior? There's a place online where you can click on the online communication card and you can share with us your desire to become a Christian, to trust Christ as your Savior. There's communication cards right there in your seats. 
If you want to know more about what it is to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would just mark that on there, we would be honored to connect with you and to talk with you more about what that next step is. But finally, if Jesus sends us, where does he send us? He sends us to a world that needs to hear. He sends us, you and I, each day into the places that God has already put you in amongst the people that you meet daily. Sometimes it's easy for us to forget that we are sent ones wherever we go. We're sent ones wherever we go. We have this idea of the fact that, oh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm only sent in this way when I go out on, a, on sort of like an outreach event or a special occasion or a ministry trip of some sort. No, we as followers of the risen Jesus are sent into our workplace and into our school and into our grocery store and into our coffee shop to bear witness to Christ. Where is he sending you? And what are you doing in the place that you're sent to? Where are we sent? Well, we're sent wherever he may lead us, not only today and tomorrow, but in the days to come. And friends, I don't know what the future holds. But throughout the history of the church, there have been times where people have gone to places willingly and other times where they have found themselves in situations and circumstances that they would never have chosen for themselves. Even there, like Joseph in prison in Egypt or Paul in chains on his way to Rome, even in places that we might never choose for ourselves, like in the chemo or radiation room at the hospital. Even there, know that you go in the empowering presence of Christ through His Spirit and you are sent to bear witness to a Savior who has transformed everything because He is alive. And finally, couldn't talk about being sent without the fact that it may very well be that God is moving in the hearts of some here at Springbrook Church. That maybe he is stirring for you to be a sent one into another community, to be a part of a church plan, to sent one even to the ends of the earth, to go and to take the message of Jesus perhaps to people who do not know and who have never heard Friends, we need people here in Huntley and in Crystal Lake and in Lake of the Hills and in Woodstock and all of this area. But we also, God calls people to go to the ends of the earth. Where is he calling you? And what does it look like for you to be obedient to that? Because as the Father sent the Son, so the Son sends us. Things are not as they once were. There is a before. Before we came to know the risen Christ. And there is an after. And praise be to God. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You live in the after. And what does that mean? That we rejoice in our salvation. We rejoice in the glory of God. We rejoice that our sins are forgiven. That we stand with the certain hope of eternity with him. But it also means that we are sent. Obediently. 
and proclaiming the best message that we could ever be given. Christ is alive. He is risen. And forgiveness and salvation is available. So believe in Him. Pastor Rich shared this QR code last week. And if you feel like there's a next step for you to take today, I would encourage you to let us know. We want to walk with you on this journey. But right now, would you pray with me? Our Father, we we thank you. We thank you that Christ has risen from the dead. And that through him, forgiveness and salvation is available. Lord, first I pray for any who have never responded to that, that by your Spirit's prompting that today would be the day of salvation where they cry out, Oh God, here I am. I believe in Jesus. Forgive my sins. I want to follow you as your child, as your servant. Lead me. Lord, for those who know you, I count myself amongst this. Lord, would you, would you give us that courageous faith to step out in obedience as you have sent us, proclaiming the message of salvation to others and walking in obedience to you in every area of our lives. Forgive us for when we slip back into living the before. Help us to remember that the resurrection of Christ has changed everything and that we are servants of this resurrected Savior. May we be faithful in the work that you have called us to and sent us to till you return or call us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing one last song?
Thank you so much for coming today, and we hope that you have a blessed day. And thanks, and you're dismissed.